Knicks fans, welcome to episode 54 of the Worldwide Knicks podcast. Omar here alongside Rafa. Uh, we're missing Alex this week. Hopefully he will be back next week coming at you recording on a Tuesday or sorry, Monday night. Getting ahead of myself, Rafa. Uh, so uh, how are you doing tonight, man? Uh, you know, I hope you're doing better than these Knicks have uh, this past week. Uh, well, because of the Knicks, I'm not doing that great. I yeah. Just... I don't know, man. Last night's loss was uh, too tough. I don't know. I don't know how. Why? Yeah, man. Yeah, they're they're not looking good right now. A few injuries as well, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, you know, when you look at this past week, three losses. uh, They're now on a four-game losing streak with losses against Washington, Atlanta, and Toronto. I was in the building for the Atlanta loss, so that wasn't great. Uh, you know, DeJounte Murray hitting everything, Trey Young getting calls, Nixon disarray. You know, <laughs> I can only imagine what Clyde was saying. So a lot of uh, bad basketball, a lot of losing basketball going on right now. Like I said, four losses in a row. It's not going to get any easier. A lot of teams above us in the standings coming up in the schedule when we talk about our game picks a little bit later. But obviously – you know, this has to start with a conversation about Tom Thibodeau, right? Four losses in a row. They haven't looked great. These have been losses against teams that are below the Knicks in the standings, you know, which are huge because you got to beat those teams if you want to maintain playoff position. So my question to you, Rafa, is is the the hot seat getting a little hotter under, uh, under Coach Tibbs' ass right now? I don't even know. I, because every time he gets a he's a seat hot, he the Knicks play better. So I don't want to say it. I don't want to. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think about this. Is would Tom Thibodeau still be the coach of the New York Knicks if he wasn't for that nine game winning streak, playing like this? I don't know. That streak might have saved them the season. To be honest, that's what I'm thinking right here. Um, I'm not. I don't think as hot as his seat might might get, he's not going anywhere until the end of the season. Right, right where we thought we would be fighting for the playoffs. We play-ins, playoffs. That playoff spot, that final playoff spot. So it seems that this year is is there. Yeah. So, and I don't. I mean, I'm tired of him. I'm sick of him. I'm sick of the same issues. Over and over again. Obviously, I. Uh, I mean, when we play good defense, I'm uh, okay. At least we got that going. But our defense hasn't been great. I don't know. I don't buy into the the that. Uh, oh, the players have given up on him. Right. Again, because it's a conversation. Again, uh, clearly they they didn't because they were winning games. But uh, there's a few losses, and uh, you alluded to the uh, the fact that the injuries. I mean, there's a one big injury right now, which is Mitchell Robinson. We missed him greatly, yeah. Um, because Sims in an extended role, is, you can feel the rawness. He's really, really raw. He still needs a lot of work to be a a, a starting center. And Hartenstein is well, not a starting center. Call it, <laughs> well, yeah, not a, and especially not a starting center that we need the yeah. way we need the starting center to play. So he's. Clearly been miscast for the the Knicks team right now. Uh, I mean, right. clearly, and especially after that start of the season when we Tom Thibodeau shifted back, rever- we reverted back the team to the a, di- a different style of play. Hardest mm-hmm. time is completely lost right yeah. here. So, 
I mean, I don't even know what to think. It's the same issues, same problems, same offense, same defense. Like, I don't know what to tell you. End of the season, maybe he, we, we can discuss Tom Thibodeau's future here or not. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird situation because you know, like you mentioned, it's the same mistakes, and they're amplified now that Mitch is out because the whole we'll get to Mitch in a second, but the whole schematic of his defense is centered around having that that rim protector down low to kind of you know direct traffic, and that hasn't been happening. And you know, I haven't really been on a lot of fire tibs bandwagon type stuff, but like the refusal to play certain players uh, and, you know, we will talk about Obi Toppin a little bit later. Obviously Cam Reddish, also somebody we'll talk about, he just hasn't seen the floor. It's just like, yeah, it's yeah. that tip stubbornness that makes him such a great foundation builder. But once the foundation is kind of built is the same thing. that's kind of his undoing. And he's like, he's sticking to the same schematics. And, he's, and that's like the whole Hartenstein thing. You're like, you should be playing a certain type of offense when you have him on the floor. But instead, it's not really happening. No, you're not. You're kind of trying to make him Mitch. And every now and then, he'll shoot a corner three. But, you know, that's not really adapting enough. You know, we've seen this bench look good and look bad. We've seen the starters look good and look bad in stretches. And, you know, it just it just seems just incredibly lackluster. And I won't go as far as to say that the players have quit on him because at the end of the day, I, I look at that as like, I don't really look at it that way. This isn't college basketball, you know, like these players are trying to earn their money and get to their next contract. Like that's the reality, you know, they're trying to stay in the NBA. And so if yeah, you yeah. just stop playing good basketball because you hate the coach, well, what good does that do you? <laughs> oh, it's just like, exactly. Yeah. And my thing, my, my thing is, like, I don't know if it's a good thing if they should wait to the end of the year or not to, to do it. Because, like, these next few games, again, we'll talk about the next games later, but the next three games they have look like legitimate potential losses. And so that would be seven in a row. And, like, at what point do, do you look at it and say, hey, you know, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time to do something a little bit different because – you know, you have a, a team now that isn't really reacting to his scheme for whatever reason. And, yeah, so I, I, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now, Rafa, is that you have a team that, that whatever is used to be working right now isn't working. And, you know, you have to be able to adjust, and the adjustments just haven't been there. We were kind of discussing it before we, we started the pod because uh, you didn't catch this uh, the, this last game. Yeah. Lucky. <laughs> um, it's like our offense it completely changed the way we play our offensively completely changed the past it, uh, it all changed when RJ Barrett went down mm -hmm. RJ Barrett got injured and it reverted into the shooting contest between Jalen Brunson and uh, Julius Rapp mm -hmm. 30 shots apiece and it was like Okay, so they're taking uh, RJ's shots, but why quickly has been given more run as well. He sh he's a lot of he shoots a lot, but it was a lot of it seemed like a, a lot of ISO plays. And I've uh, watching the games, uh, uh, listening to 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 Mike and Clyde, they're always saying that oh the Knicks aren't sharing the ball. They're averaging so and so assists, and today they're underneath that. Mm -hmm. Feels like they're underneath that a lot. 
long are the long gone are the the games where Jalen Brunson would had a eight assists, nine assists, twelve assists while well, not even, shooting the ball. Even the assist numbers, Rafa, are misleading because how do those assists yeah. happen? It's Julius, it's RJ, it's Jalen holding the ball, breaking down the defense, trying to take it to the hole, and then them collapsing. But in all of those, and then passing out for a corner three, all of those plays start with ten to fifteen seconds of the primary ball handler just kind of initiating an ISO. And that's just, this is a game of spacing and it's a game of ball movement. Like you look at the way the Nuggets play, the way the Warriors have historically played, you know, these are guys and teams that even like ball centric guard teams, like the Blazers with, with Lillard, they, they still move the ball more than more than the Knicks do. And yeah, offensively it's just, it's unimaginative. It's stagnant, you know, and, when the shots are going in, it's great, right? Because we're scoring points, we're no. winning games. But you know, when they're not going in, it just put them puts a magnifying glass on the holes of this team. Yeah, but it's you can look at that at teams in you in, in, looking at a little bit. Uh, well, uh, watching watching film, mm-hmm. you can see that teams are defending the Knicks different differently, especially bringing up the ball up the court when we are bringing the ball up the court. The, def- the defense played on Jalen Brunson is being is a lot different. Mm-hmm. They got lengthier guys on him, so in that yeah, Toronto's been doing job. that against us. Toronto did it. Uh, I think the, I think the Spurs did it. Like the, yeah, they did the that. game we lost in San Antonio, they yeah, did it. Held yeah, Brunson out of the whole game in the backcourt. Yeah, ex- exactly. And so, but we had the beginning of the season. And I'm going back into that get nine game winning streak. Yeah. We had other guys bringing the ball up the court. Mm-hmm. We had RJ initiating. We had Julius initiating. Right. So we had the 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 well, what we expected from the team. Brunson, okay, Brunson is being doubled or being pressured. Let's give uh, Randall t- to initiate. He can do it. We we all know he can do it. He he did it, eighty two games, the past two two years. RJ can do it now. You can see RJ can do it. That's why he runs with the second unit because it gives them more of that type of run. Right. So why not try that different approach? Oh, Jill, well, Jalen Brunson is a guy who can play off ball. Well, ask Luca. He it worked. So it's weird how we, especially this game against Toronto. It was when Brunson was on the floor. He was the. Oh my, I know he's the. Or point guard. I, I get it. I'm not saying he shouldn't. He isn't point guard or he isn't good. It's like, why is he, if he's having trouble, why is he bringing the ball and starting the offense every time? And it, it's not working NBA, like this. You don't do that. Like, there are times where Golden State, no one's questioning who the point guard of that team is, but you'll see Steph play a little off ball, let Jordan Poole initiate the offense every now and then. Again, bringing the Blazers up again back when they had McCollum. Or even now with Simons, you see that guy, that second guy kind of initiating the offense and Lillard plays a little off ball every now and then. Like it happens, you know, and that's the way it is. You need to have multiple point of attack initiators in today's league. And the thing is, the Knicks have it, but the way they're using it isn't really conducive to the roster that they have. And that that's Uh where the coaching concerns are legitimate. You know, like you're playing this game like you're back in 98 in early 2000s. When in reality, it's a, it's a different game now, and you know you have to allow these these uh, initiators to initiate, and can't just keep on relying on Brunson all the time. 
or just give it to Randall on the wing and hope for the best type thing. You need to kind of mix it up a little bit, you know? Exactly. And it, it shocks me how we're un- all of a sudden unable to adjust like that. Yeah. What happened? What What's the thing? What's, I mean, are, are they, everyone is playing for stats for the All-Star game? I don't think so, but it's just, I mean, what happened? What What, what gives? Like, what? What the fuck? It's that's why that loss last night was so to me was so let's call it painful. We're like, oh come on, not this crap again. Right. Maybe it was uh it was late again for me, so I'm maybe I, t- I take it harder. But it's like, why am I I'm 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 watching reruns of the same game when uh, that I click the, the the wrong tab and I'm watching not and I'm watching the game live. Yeah. Because. It's the same things all over again, and uh, we when I say coaching, you know, you're talking about well, coach's issue. It's not only Tibbs. Well, there's the coaching staff. Yeah. No one goes up to or can go or goes up to Tibbs and say, "Well, maybe we should we should try this instead of that." What is Tibbs going to smite him down? I don't. Well, if he's a <laughs> coaching staff, people who works with work with him, I don't think he's a, a an asshole like that. So yeah, and it seems like those why? guys, like Andy Greer, Johnny Bryant, you know, these guys have been empowered before. You know, back when uh, Kenny Payne and Woodson were on the staff, they were empowered with stuff before. So yeah, I think uh, you know there there needs to be a mix up with that, and kind of somebody needs to get into Tom's ear and say, "Hey, let's try something a little bit different," but. Let's uh, move on to our next topic. And uh, a big part of why the Knicks have lost these past couple games, at least, is the absence of Mitchell Robinson. Uh, He suffered a fractured thumb in the Washington game, uh, another game that ended up in a loss. And he just had surgery. He's going to be reevaluated in three weeks. And, you know, the the team treaded water. They were 500 when he missed eight games earlier in the year. I'll tell you what, man, it's this is going to be tough sledding without him because, like I mentioned earlier, yeah, yeah. he is this the nucleus of this defense. You know, he is a player that the entire defensive scheme kind of relies around him protecting the rim. And when he's off the court, a lot of times you see that difference. So I guess uh, for from your view, how bad of a loss, how big of a loss is it for the Knicks to lose Mitch for the next three weeks? Oh, it's awful. It's absolutely atrocious. It's those three weeks or might be the most important three weeks of the season right now. Tough games, tough schedule. And you're coming and, up uh, on the deadline. He's out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's out. Like, what are you going to do? We, 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 we saw how we don't grab offensive rebounds. Like we're not enough as an, as an offensive threat as uh, uh, we, we are. Uh, it's a rebounding threat with him in, in there. I mean, off, defensively, guys attack the paint much more freely than with Mitch there. They, they, Mitch doesn't have the, the blocking numbers or something, anything like that, but they fear Mitch. You can see how guys, oh, it's Mitchell Robinson. Let me try something different. Mm-hmm. So and you can see that he affects the, the, the guys driving in, driving into the lanes. So not him not being there. And Sims is, uh, well... Very, very raw still. He's not, yeah. well, he can be serviceable off the bench. As a starting center, well, he can, he can do something 
He, he can't do it all. He can't be Mitchell Robinson. Right. And I mean, credit to Mitch because he got the he got paid this year, last year, this year, and him being out is uh we're so different with him being out proves that he deserves the money and even more so we got a good deal here and he got a good deal and that only leverages to him for a future a future deal or or whatever he he wants to to ask in the future because he really is uh uh I mean, people are always saying that uh we don't know who to trade who to trade there man maybe the number the, the, the number one guy teams would want would be Mitch. Now, no Randall, no RJ. Mitch in a, a winning team. Mitch, Mitch playing with uh, with the Suns, uh, with Paul and uh, Booker shooting bricks, and he's grabbing them all. There you go. Yeah, Mitch for eight and straight up. No. <laughs> um, oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you never realize how good a player is until that player is no longer available, and. You know, it matches the epitome of that. You don't notice how he alters shots, how he alters drives at the rim. The Hawks game was a perfect example. They were getting inside and, and scoring within 10 feet whenever they wanted. DeJounte Murray was getting inside whenever he wanted. John Collins was getting inside whenever he wanted towards the end of that game. Just because ultimately Hartenstein and, uh, and Sims are just not the level of defender and presence that Mitchell Robinson is. And when you've built your entire defense around the idea of rim protection on the inside and giving up favorable threes, then you take the main point of that, the focus of that out. And what are you left with? You're, you're left with games where teams are scoring over 120 points in regulation consistently on you. And that's what we've seen the last two games. And that's probably what we're going to see over these next three weeks. And, you know, I know, when he was about to be extended, everybody was worried because of health concerns, right? Oh, he can't stay healthy. And, you know, he's kind of proven that a little bit now this year, because it's the second time he's gotten injured with, and that he's going to miss multiple games, but he's also just showing his value that this team does not function defensively without him and offensively because of his offensive rebounding. You know, that's a huge loss to take as well. So they have to take better shots. And, you know, I feel like you have the security blanket, when it comes to Mitch, right? Like you're going to take a bunch of shots and they may be bad shots, but you have a good confidence that, oh, Mitch is going to clean it up because he's a really good offensive rebounder. And now you lose that. So you have to take better shots and they're not taking great shots still because that's what they're used to. And, uh, you know, we're seeing the results. You know, they're missing. I'm laughing, man. What's that? That's why I'm laughing. That's why I'm laughing. Like our offense is like, hey, if we take back shots, bad shots, Mitch is there. That's our offense right now. Like, I mean, like Green has said that, you know, where he was like, yeah. oh, you know, sometimes it's you know their best offense is missing a shot and having Mitchell Robinson clean it up and you know either dunk it or dish it out to somebody to reset and get a better look. Yeah. And you know we're gonna miss that, you know. And again, the, the games are Absolutely. not getting Absolutely. any getting any easier. We have one of the most difficult remaining schedules in the league. I mean, this will get real ugly real quick, you know, and um, I guess that brings us to the next player. Before you, sorry, yeah, before you move on to another disappearing act in camp, <laughs> um, Mitch is getting injured, but at least there are no foot-related injuries. That's Yeah, that's good. That's good. Injuries right. can occur, man. And RJ got uh, 
almost a finger chopped off. Uh, <laughs> Obi was uh, Obi was injured as well. Uh, Brunson was on and on. So we we have been having injuries this year, not only to Mitch and Mitch. I mean, a three week okay, three week is a dislocated shoulder. If you're a guy like him trying to block shots every single every night on there, I mean. It's a finger, man. It's not an unusual uh, injury to have. It's like, like, oh, oh my yeah, God, this guy is injury prone. Yeah, especially well, a guy like him in his position, banging in the paint exactly. all the time. It's bound to happen, you know, where you get your finger jammed or something along that lines. Um, if it was a, a, a foot, oh, he's uh, his ankle is giving out again. God damn, yeah, it's something it's else. Not, so it's it's good. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about Obi Toppin. So Obi came back from injury well, like a couple weeks ago, and it seems like he's been on a little bit of a, almost like a minutes restriction in a weird way. Doesn't really play more than 10, 11 minutes right now. And even yesterday he was, um, he was producing, shooting efficiently, and he still only got like 10 or 11 minutes, I think. So my question to you. That's what, 10.30. Oh, it's 10 minutes, 30 seconds? Oh, yeah, right. exactly. Damn. Uh, <laughs> So do you think there's like some tension between him and Tibbs or is he maybe going to get traded at the deadline? Like what's your read on this whole Obi situation? Well, they'll say that it's, uh, he got an injured. We're slowly bringing him back. But it's, I mean, it's tough. Again, it's tough for him because it always will tie up to the Julius Randle question. And Julius Randle was playing some amazing basketball. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that Julius Randle is tired. And you can tell, man. You can clearly tell that guy is gassed. Like, end of first quarter, he's sitting on the bench. Don't cover his mouth. The guy will die. The guy will pass out and die. He's so tired already, man. He's done. Like, we need that second unit to play more minutes. Mm -hmm. And they haven't been great. And uh, Obi... Getting back as well, Hardenstein at second unit, and Deuce hasn't been doing anything as well. That's why his minutes getting getting reduced and reduced. Um, Deuce with the minutes reduced, great. Uh, so, and Obi right there in the middle. Blame I mean, quickly is playing more minutes. He's got he got injured as well, another injury. Um, quickly. Um, and now it's um, Obi's. Getting back, he's playing better. First few minutes, first few games were rough to say the to say the, the to be nice to him. Right, but we've seen the the hoops as well. He's uh, alley ooping or he's breaking out and slamming. So we're seeing a bit more of Obi Toppin. And this game against the the last night against the the, the Raptors, he was he was really good. He was he was playing great. He was uh. uh Hitting threes that we need. He was hitting threes. He had energy. We know how Obi is on defense. He's a he's Obi Toppin. That's mm-hmm. what he gives you. Right. Um, but if he's playing great and the other guy is tired, maybe play the backup a little bit more. Let the starter who's been playing forty minutes every every night and on back to backs. Let him rest a bit. That's. I, th- I think it's the coaching. I don't think he's a pre- there's a problem within Obi and, and Tibbs. Mm-hmm. I think it's just Tom Thibodeau's way of coaching. Lean mm-hmm. on the starters way too heavily. 
run them into the ground. Just right. uh, it's I've given up. I've given into that notion. And he he plays at those starters way too many minutes. Relies on them way too heavily. And well, guys from the bench, if you're not producing at a high quality level, if you're just producing, you get lost and you get those minutes reduced because if you're not impacting the game heavily with Tibbs, you are not the guy to play. And it's it it hurts him because he's he might be a little bit off game for two three minutes. But then he can have four minutes or two minutes where he's just running up the up and down the floor, getting the steals and getting the rebounds as well, and getting the dunks on on one end. He he showed energy last night, and we needed that energy. Um, and he played ten minutes because reasons. You know, the thing with Obi man is you have to decide what it is you want to do with this guy. You know, like. You can't take a guy who's on his rookie deal as a lottery pick and only play him 9, 10, 11 minutes a night. Like, and he's shown to be, it's not like he's a scrub, you know, he's shown to be valuable in these minutes. And at the end of the day, they're kind of being pulled in two different directions. They're like, well, you know, Julius is playing at a pseudo all-star level. So we got to make sure he gets his, but we want to make sure Obi's there just in case, you know, we, so we have a plan for the future. Like, all right, guys, what is it? You know, either you're going to nurture this talent, give him more minutes, figure it out. I understand you have Julius Randle, but we always talk about how this is a positionless league and how we should be able to, you know, be more adaptable and flexible. And the problem is it goes back to the fact that they always want their whole defense is predicated on the rim protector. And when you don't have a rim protector and you have Obi and Randle in there together, you know, with Randle at five, it becomes a problem. But the thing is, it's like you need to be able to adjust and be able to adapt. Like other teams are able to do this, that play like these small quote unquote death lineups or whatever, you know, and you got to be able to do that. It's just like you can't just say, well, I don't have a traditional rim running center. So, Obi, you're only going to get in for the 12 minutes of Julius is on the bench, you know, and it's like, well, that's not fair to him. You know, if that's the case, that's how it's going to be. Just request to have him request a trade and get him out of here. Let him go somewhere that needs a, a young power forward on a developing team. So, which leads me to the follow-up, Rafa. Do you see a situation where he could be traded at the deadline? Well, absolutely. I mean, is there any other any other path for Obi right now to be in this league and be not and play meaningful minutes in a whatever team? I mean. He needs to to play somewhere else because we're clearly playing with Julius Randle. Not it's not a knock on Julius Randle because he's an All Star this year. So again, so tough position for Obi. I think he, him and Cam are the guys that we might move. Him and Cam are going somewhere else. I think there's. I mean, you were talking about the position of league in it last night. I mean. Again, reverting back to last the, the game last night. <laughs> Tom Thibodeau after the press in the at the press conference said, Oh, I needed size and shooting. So that's why I played Evan Fournier so many minutes. Oh <laughs> Evan Fournier played more minutes than Obi Toppin and Deuce McBride com- combined. Crazy. Evan Fournier went went one from seven from three. 
He's not but again. He it's not Evans' well. fault. He's 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 a rhythm shooter. I mean, they're all rhythm shooters, and no, he I hasn't don't. been able to really get consistent playing time. So, what do you think where is going to happen? Going is no. It's the where I'm going is. Mm-hmm. You had a guy. I mean, he's a power forward, okay, but he's a uh, agile. Sure. Can't you, you're losing? You tried to play Randall at the five and Obi at the four. It did not work. So you right. brought in Sims. Couldn't you try like Randall or Obi or whatever at the three? Because he's he's hitting shots. Well, here's Would the thing, Rafa. That... Remember earlier in the in before the season started, I mentioned this to you guys. And well, you guys yeah. kind of laughed it off. And you're like, this is what they need to fucking do. Because if you're really dead set on having a rim protector, throw one of these guys in at the three. And, I mean, offensively, Obi keeps himself in the corner anyway. You know, it's it's no different than how a lot of times Thibodeau's offense has RJ situated. You know, exactly. like, you know, it's just like, if he's only going to get 10, 11 minutes, just get, get him out of here. You know, like, he, it's it's not fair to him. And it's not like he oh, was no. a young guy coming in the league. He came in as he's a little bit of an older rookie. So he's already about to be 25. And he's still yeah. not getting over 20 minutes a night. That's just that's just tanking any type of career he's gonna have. And I get he's a New York kid. He wants to live be in be a Nick, but look, if they're gonna make a decision and commit to Julius Randle for their, as their guy or their number two or number three option, whatever he is, for the next two, three, four years. Then yeah, Obi's got to go. You got to get something for him. The same way you got to get rid of Cam because he's just languishing on the bench right now, and you know it's it's just unfair to the player is the way I'm I'm kind of coming at it. Like yeah, no, absolutely. I now, agree with you. It's absolutely. I wonder if like if there was if there was a coaching change, if they would treat it differently. You know, talk about that Obi at the three or maybe Randall at the five type of lineup, and that that kind of thing makes me wonder as well. If this is really just a coaching thing, or is has always just not shown it in practice, but like he's shown that I think he is a capable, capable and competent NBA player, and um, you know it, it remains to be seen what they do. The deadline's coming up in a couple weeks, uh, three weeks, I think. And I'm scared, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. So it's been kind of quiet. Oh, so I guess we could. Like, Have you heard about the quiet before the storm? Yeah, yeah, the calm before the storm, right? No, right. dude, it been calm. Sorry. Yeah, it's uh, I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, that kind of leads into our our next thing here, though, our final topic, which is uh, the rumors about Cam Reddish. Obviously, Cam Reddish been racking up DNP CDs like crazy. Has not Thibodeau refuses to throw him in the lineup, regardless of who's out or whatever. And it just almost seems like they all know that a trade is coming. Um, yeah. So right now, rumors about the Heat being interested, the Mavs being interested, and about a Reggie Bullock reunion potentially, the Bucks with a Grayson Allen trade kind of in the in the rumor mill there. So I think we know that he's probably going to be traded. Of these teams to make a deal with the Knicks, who do you see as the viable option uh, to take on Cam? In uh. The looking at at the paper in paper, the books seem like a a pretty good fit mm-hmm. for him. Like he yep. coming off the bench, he's a lengthy guy. He can play defense. He can he can score. We sit and we know he can score. He can shoot the three, 
you know, having Giannis at the center of attention, uh, especially with Middleton kind of uh, still out and that in, lingering injuries as well, can be a guy that can help that team a lot. Can have a, a, a like Alex says so many times, if he goes in there and he knows you, I'm not going to be a star, mm-hmm. that star idea. I think he can fit really well there. Uh, do for the Bucks what we thought he could do for the Knicks, basically. Mm-hmm. Be that guy off the bench that uh, helps us. And uh, to your earlier point about Tibbs not playing him, I had a, a thought today. Okay. That, okay, this looks, this makes Tim Tom Thibodeau look like an, an idiot for not playing, <laughs> a douche for not playing a, a guy, Cam Reddish, yeah. whatever, for whatever right. reason. Oh, I needed size. Mm-hmm. Fournier, who's smaller, over camp. So it makes him look it makes him look not great. Mm-hmm. So what if it's the front the, the front office said to Tibbs, do not play him because we're we're finding him uh, uh finding a deal that will send him somewhere else. Well, you know, you I have uh, I mean it's possible. You know, because they probably don't want to risk injury. You know, that that is very possible. Yeah. So, yeah, the front office sells that to tips. Mm-hmm. Many, many times have if the front office has said, this guy won't play because we're getting him a trade deal somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that takes the blame off the coach. Right. Right? But right now, you look at the coach and the... the it, I mean, it's weird. Well, I'm saying it's a weird situation. What if it's Tibbs taking the blame because, well, they know Tibbs is uh, his final season or whatever. He tips it up. I don't mind taking the blame for you guys. You guys do your your, your thing. I they think it's like a master plan type thing? Yeah, something like that. Like, no, don't say anything. I'll take the blame. Don't worry. I'll be, you know, it's my last year or something. Wishful thinking. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know, it's my last year. Next year will be a different coach. And you do, you guys don't take the blame for this one. Don't You don't take the heat from the fans and the media for blowing up this trade uh, right. with Cam or blowing up this thing. Can I have something here? I'm just trying to come up with things that for Cam not playing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... It's not ridiculous. I'll say that. You know, it's not ridiculous because they're probably saying, hey, man, we got to make sure this guy doesn't get hurt or else he's going to tank this trade value. We're not going to be able to move him. And he's just going to walk away for free in free agency at the end of the year. So they're probably thinking, all right, we got to, you know, say, hey, well, we will have room for him in the rotation. Somebody else take him on, give us some second round picks, give us a player, whatever. And when I look at the deals on the table, well, yeah. I don't think Miami's making the deal because the the Heat and the Knicks never do deals with each other, literally. Like they've never done a, a transaction with one another. So the Mavericks make sense. The Bucks make the most sense. Like imagine a lineup at the end of a game with Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Cam in it, just in terms of wing defense. Yeah. I mean that's just that's just crazy, you know. Uh, yeah, they they're all long. Yeah, I mean the Bucks make the most sense, I think. For uh, and you know that brings up the conversation piece where in the a Bucks trade that would bring back Grayson Allen, uh, Bucks guard, and you know this is a guy I can't stand. I haven't been able to stand him since college, and when he was I'm at Duke, say he's a, a lovable, a lovable character. 
Yeah, and Grayson Allen. But it's hard to argue the fit in terms of what the team needs. You know, you're talking about you know a decent defender in on the perimeter can hit a three point shot. You know, he's got some nasty in him, which I think you know a lot of Knicks fans at least think that the team needs. So I guess you know, what are your thoughts on bringing in Grayson Allen if if that's a deal for Cam? Well, if if Cam clearly is out there is out of here, uh, out out there somewhere in some team, we talked about what we need: a shooting a guy who can shoot the three shoot the three point three pointer. We know he can. Just look at some games against the Knicks, um, and can play defense. And he can play defense. He can bre- break your leg while playing defense on you. But okay, nobody nobody on the other team loves him. No one. No one likes him. But you ask his teammates and the fan, their fan, the fan base of the box. Well, they probably love him. He's a guy out there fighting hard for them, and uh, so he's like a Charles Oakley like type him. man in the way like he, if you play against him, you hate him. Yeah. But when he's on your Patrick team, Beverly. you love to have him. Yeah. Beverly is the same. Nobody likes Patrick Beverly. Mm-hmm. Nobody. This thing that he hit uh, with him with uh, Damian Lillard. <laughs> you, you get that? The watch is yeah, broken. The broken time thing. Yeah. I mean, Come on. Nobody <laughs> likes him. Right. Everyone thinks he's a, an idiot. Like everybody thinks Grayson Allen is an idiot. But well, when you're playing with him, you like him. That's why the Bucks got him. The Bucks look. The Bucks are tr- were trying to win titles and brought Grayson Allen. Right. So they're not idiots. Oh, let's bring this asshole to our team because he will not get us a title. Well, no. So, if you, so I guess, you want uh, some value for Cam, okay, yeah. people are overvaluing Cam crazy. Mm. Like, tra- Cam Reddish trade is the new Knox in the first. <laughs> you, you can get the world for Cam Reddish. Yeah. Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier for Kawhi Leonard. It's doable. Yeah, it's fine. No big deal. Doable. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, Why wouldn't the so Clippers do Cam that? Cam Reddish. And, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't be mad, Grayson Allen. I mean, he's the type of guy you want, basically. So let me, let me ask you this then. Obviously, there's been now four players that have been mentioned as potential yeah. targets to be moved at the deadline. Obviously, Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, Cam, and Obi, which we talked about earlier. Of the four, how many of them do you think actually do get traded by the deadline? If it's a, for a guy like um, just Grayson Allen, for example, yeah. you can do that one or one on one with a few picks because there's not much cap space involved. Right. If there's cap moving in some way, shape, or form, a guy like Evan Fournier or Derrick Rose can be moved. Especially mm-hmm. maybe Rose. It's a lighter contract, so maybe he can get be moved. Right. Um, I don't know if he would help. Uh, Rose with Cam Reddish to 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 the Bucks to have a that a guy playing at point guard Derek Rose he might help somewhere but he's getting twelve million dollars I think it's twelve or yeah, 15, something, like, something that. like that yeah it's not a, a if it's a, look man uh, money coming just back bring to the back Thanasis, bro bring back the Nassus onto Tacumpo and we'll be in good shape oh my god <laughs> yeah uh that's the only I mean the Rose if if Rose is content not playing, being there, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if he is because he kind of talked to about the coach, which is mm-hmm. uh, was surprising. I mean, Fournier is talking back at Nick's Twitter. Um, so I don't know. Um, and Obi, I mean, Obi is for his sake. I, f- I hope we find him a, a new, a better home. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. Uh, I'm not a an Obi guy. I'm not a an Obi hater. I'm a Obi eh, uh, guy. <laughs> but just just let him be free. Let if you love him, set him free. It's basically it. Yeah, I, I think when you look at it, Cam's probably the the one who goes for sure because there's no reason for them not to trade him because he's expiring anyway. Might as well get something for him. Um, Rose is the one that I, I'm kind of waffling on. So I could see a contender talking themselves into some point guard depth and, you know, mortgaging a couple picks and getting taking on Derrick Rose, you know? And like I could see the Clippers trying to do that. I could see... You see, if Memphis didn't have Tyus Jones, I think they would do that. But they like Tyus Jones a lot. But, yeah, there are other contenders out there that would probably want to have a nice backup point guard who has some some playoff experience and veteran presence and things of that nature. Why not? Uh, Fournier is going to be the difficult one to move. I think I, I don't think Obi's getting traded at the, at the deadline. I think they might field some offers. And, like you said, for his yeah, sake, yeah. he probably should be traded just because from a lack of playing time perspective. But – yeah, I think Cam and think, and Rose are your are your primary two, right? Yeah, I think so. They're the most movable because Obi, you you want a if you're the front office, if you're looking to unload Obi, you know that you need to get someone good in return because the fan base will. Eat oh yeah, they'll your, riot. They'll riot. Yeah, they do they... absolutely. So the you will need someone. Or someone's. Are there any teams that you think like make sense in an OB trade? Like, do you send them maybe the Golden State try to get like one of their young guys in return? Are they good enough for that? Moody or Kaminga? Like I don't know. I mean, I I'm just kind of spitballing here. Like, because I don't think Golden State's trying to get rid of Wiseman. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Yeah. I'm just thinking that for some reason I get this feeling that if we move Obi, mm-hmm. Fournier is going with him. Just for salary purposes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obi is going uh, with Fournier. Like oh, uh, salary matching or something. I, I don't think quickly is going anywhere. There will be offers for quickly, especially after this last run. Uh but man, I don't I don't I, Obi needs to be a good return. If, if this front office really wants to believe that they would need to win the trades or need to they need to look good in those in these trades, yeah, it's hard to have a good trade looking good when you're trading Obi away from New York. So it's uh, yeah, any any Obi trade is going to be unpopular. You know that that's gonna he's the type of guy. It's like when when the Knicks traded or uh, got rid of Rod Strickland back in the day. You know, it's like. You know, he's a local guy, fans like him, you know, and you're just going to get rid of him. That, that's not going to sit well with a lot of Knicks fans who really like this guy. Um, let's uh, let's jump into some game picks. Um, you you think Artenstein remains a Nick? You want him that bad? Just, like, just remember. The- I don't think anybody wants him. Like, who, who's trying to trade for this guy right now? 
like there's something to say about like your your value trending up and trending down. His value is in the in the selker right now, man. It's 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 rock bottom. Like you you you'd have to give up draft picks to get off of this guy. Like that that's that's how bad it's gotten. Mm. I just don't see any team talking themselves into it, you know. Um, or a guy. Yeah, well, he'll be all right. No. Uh, let's. Uh, but yeah, let's get into these game picks, man. So uh, three games this week. Uh, tomorrow against the Cavs. Uh, that's the only home game this week. Then Thursday in Boston and Saturday in Brooklyn. So, Alpha, what do you think? Do I have to? Because I'm I feeling a seven-game losing streak. Yeah. Just, that's what I'm feeling, man. Oh, and three, huh? Mm. Oh, my God. I wonder. I Every time I feel. I just wonder. Ahead, I think. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think they could steal one in Brooklyn. Uh, uh, you know, no KD. You know, it's you know Simmons been looking kind of Brooklyn's been looking good though. Kyrie's been balling. You know, no no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, but I don't know. I just feel like they're due for one against Brooklyn. Maybe they could steal one. Ben Simmons maybe finally has a loss against the Knicks. You know, and uh, <laughs> but Boston. I mean, that's you know they're one of the top three teams in the league, and Cleveland's been playing well with with Mitchell. Um, yeah, I'm 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 going yeah. one and two personally. I think I'm we not, against Brooklyn. I'm not looking forward in, into it for tomorrow's game. Oh my god, especially on Twitter in the garden. We too, could man. have had this. We could have had this. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't. I I oh, dude, it's tomorrow's going to be pain. Yeah. Celtics game is going to be pain, and well, the Nets. We'll see what happens. Prob- <laughs> probable pain. I hope, I hope they play. I mean, even if they're that tired, even if a foot is falling off from t- how tired they are, I hope they f- they fucking bring it to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It's you you owe that. It's it's the game you need to to do it. You gotta win that game. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. It's uh, at least go down swinging in Kyrie's face. There you go. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, slow down. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just tough, man. I mean, we lost four in a row. I mean, how can you be optimistic? You know, especially you're talking about, what, top three of the top five teams in the East right now, you know? So it's tough. It's a tough Sports stretch. Is so, it's so weird. Like a week ago or a week and a half ago, we were all, just look at that. We're playing great. RJ is back to the moon. Yeah, and we were like, oh, man, this uh, that schedule, Cleveland, Boston, Boston, Brooklyn, that'll be a real test. And now we're just like, I only want to take the test. You know, <laughs> just give me the we F. We mounted now. the rocket. We, dude, we mounted the rocket. We made it the entire expedition. And you forgot to put fuel on the fucking rocket. Dude, <laughs> god damn Man, I don't know, man. Oh, my God. Like if if he if they get kind of blown out in all three of these games, I think he, he might be fired. You know, like honestly, I don't know, man. Like you, it's like they, the they lose by twenty every single game. I'm saying, you know, like if they look miserable, you know, that kind of deal. Um, but we'll see. I don't know, man. It's like cause seventh in a row. I mean, Dolan's not going to like that, you know. And especially no. if he starts hearing boo birds in the garden when the Cavs are here, you know. He, I don't know. You never know. But oh my god. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I just hope to survive another week. Just survive another survive week. This. 
Look, your camera's not surviving. Look at that. Yeah, okay, the camera's go. She's, uh, camera got no, I don't want to live. Oops. Anyway, uh, that is going to wrap us up for another episode of the Worldwide Knicks Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at WW Knicks Podcast, where we tweet about the games and other rumors and happenings in uh, the world of the New York Knicks. If you like the pod, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rate and review on both of those platforms. If you want to catch us on video, we are on YouTube as well, which is uh, if you're watching YouTube, you could just see my camera tripod just falling over and me catching it in, uh, in midair trying to make it look nice natural. reflexes, by the way. Hey, it's man, reflexes. you know, that's just playing, playing uh, all the NBA 2K back in the day, you know, it still, still kicks in, so... I, I thought you were trying out for wide receiver next year for the Giants. I, I mean, I should. Uh, it's just <laughs> the only way I'm going to make it. But <laughs> anyway, that's uh, going to wrap it up for another episode of the Worldwide Knicks. Omar Rafa. Hopefully Alex will be back with us next week. Until then, have a good one. We'll catch you guys later. Uh-huh.